All right, how we doing, everybody? It's 62819. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Dan Sanders is here today to help me tell you anything and everything about the MLB at its halfway point. We're going to talk about the Cubs, Yankees, Dodgers, and everybody else worth mentioning. We're going to break down the MVP race and tell you who's making the playoffs and who's not. Before we get started, our show is brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. Come out Sunday to celebrate the last day of June with some 99-cent smoked wings and $6 Bloody Marys. That's 12 to 12 this Sunday and every Sunday at O'Shea's Irish Pub. All right, let's get it going. Dan, it's great to have you back. And wouldn't you know it, it's finally the time of the year where it's okay to do an entire MLB podcast. Why is that? Because all of the other major sports, they're over. It's just you, me, and baseball until the first week of September. I'm not that mad about it. We may be the only two people who aren't mad about it, but that's okay. This is our thing. People say that 162 games is too much. I completely disagree. Watching the Cubs every day keeps me sharp. It gives me structure and consistency. And maybe this is why I'm single. Dan, it's halftime. Most of the teams have played around 81 of 162. What's standing out to you most right now when it comes to the entire league as a whole? So right now, what kind of stands out to me, and kind of stands out to me for previous years now, is the trend of the home run ball going up and the strikeout totals also going up. The 2019 season ranks the highest for average home runs per game with 1.36, and also the strikeouts are going up at 8.71 per game. Now, although I think this trend draws more viewers, especially young viewers, that's kind of what the MLB is going for. We want to bring the younger crowd up. Um, I'm more in favor of more situational baseball. Like I like bunts. I understand what's going on. More home runs draws more fans, and that's kind of what MLB is all about right now. Yeah, no doubt. That's a, Hit it right on the head. That's what I had. It, it seems like there's more home runs. And that's because there is. I mean, people are saying the balls are juiced, and they, they could be. But we're on pace for 6,781 homers this year as a league. That would be the most ever. And, yeah, I'm kind of here for it. it. It makes it exciting. I, I'm not – I still think that it's as exciting as it was when the Cubs won the World Series or the year before when they beat the Cardinals in the Divisional Series. Before that, I wasn't having, like, a ton of fun watching baseball because the Cubs would – constantly lose but now that they're winning and stuff i don't you know the games are 10 to 8 or one nothing it's all good for me we just gotta hope the cubs score more runs than the other team but i want to spend a little bit of time on each of the six divisions and discuss the major headlines from all of them uh, let's start with our favorite the nl central um the cubs are up one game on the brewers cardinals two and a half back of the cubs and then you have the Pirates and the Reds right around five and six back, respectively. Uh, the Reds, though, I mean, this it's so interesting, this division, because I feel like all these teams are pretty tough, and they have tough lineups, and I don't really feel like any of them have overachieved. I, I feel like they're all kind of right where they should be right now. And this run differential stat in the division is crazy because the Reds are in last, but they're second place in run differential in the division, plus 48 Cubs at plus 59, Brewers at minus one. Do you think this stat means anything at all? I mean, to me, I don't really think it does. I think the run differential stat is a very misleading stat. When fans look at it, if you're a casual fan, you're just looking at the stat, you may be like, man, the Reds are really good. The Reds have been having some tough luck, been losing some games they shouldn't have lost. Right. I mean, that plus 40, 44, 48, I mean, they're just going to be – they just look at them and like, man, our off that offense is really good. The pitching staff's really good. And for half of that, they're right. The pitching staff is really good. The 
but the offense, super inconsistent. And that's that's what's weird about the Reds, man. This pitching staff, I mean, leading, they're third in the MLB in ERA. That's so nuts when you think about who they've been rolling out there in years past. And now Disclefani's been better. Castillo's been awesome. The Sonny Gray pickup has worked out a lot better than the Matt Harvey experiment, even though he wasn't bad in Cincinnati. Sonny Gray's just been great. He looks like Oakland, Sonny Gray. He, he looks like he's really back to his his stuff, and it, it's been enjoyable to watch. Do you think it's going to keep up? Well, right now I think we're kind of in a flux because you got Tyler Maley going out there, kind of filling in for Tanner Roark. Uh, when we get you know our full five pitching rotation back, I mean, they could probably keep it going. If we just got to get that offense to fill in the gaps, get our average up, get our run differential hopefully a little higher, of making more a little consistent run. It and seems it, like it's bound to come down. Yeah, I I'm not sure how this is gonna all go with when we were rolling out Tyler Maley every five games. Yeah, uh, that guy pitches okay against the Cubs. I don't hate him, but the, uh, Scooter Jeanette's about to come back next week. Haven't had him this year. He's been one of the most important players on the team over the past two or three seasons. He a top ten NL batting average last year. It's a good guy to have. He's going to be back, and you have to feel good about that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Scooter Jeanette, no doubt, like you said, is definitely a key player for the Cincinnati Reds. Only thing I think that's going to hurt is the playing time for Derek Dietrich. Now, what Dietrich has kind of going for him is he's a utility guy. He can give Jeanette a day off. He can give Suarez a day off. He can take a spot in the outfield. He can give Votto a day off. And that's really, really beneficial for a team like the Reds who, I mean – kind of loaded with some older guys. Like, Votto's kind of getting up there in age. We have, obviously, Jeanette coming back from injury. You're going to have to give him some rest. Yeah, I mean, Votto, he's the kind of guy that never wants to take a day off either. He he likes that perfect attendance record at the end of the year, that 162. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it if the guy's only hitting 250. That's bound to pick up, though. And it has been picking up because he was, he was worse than that. But he, he's getting it going a little bit. I think you have to feel good about where the Reds are at with – Senzel joining this team and everything and really kind of floating into that leadoff spot and staying there because you, you saw that the first few games he's brought up and you're like oh Nick Senzel's hitting leadoff today how cool but he, the reason he's been able to stay there is because he's performing well if he wasn't they would send him back down to, with the bats until he was ready and he clearly is ready so that's something good that's going your way what you said about Dietrich is, is so true they can do that with him and Peraza even though those are the, kind of the two odd men out when you make your own Reds roster at home right now they can play almost every position on the field. So when you think about that, I mean, you can really do a lot of different things with it. Let's shift the focus to the Cubs. That's enough about the last place team. Let's talk about the first place team. They're having a pretty good year. They're in first, only leading by a game. But this is kind of how last year went too. The Brewers have gotten a lot better. So it's going to be a back and forth type of deal. But they just acquired Craig Kimbrell, who you would think is going to be huge for this ball club. It, the bullpen's been the weakest part of the team for pretty much this entire run. That's why they had to give up a guy in Glebar Torres, who now that he's older is a top 10 AL MVP candidate when you are going by the odds, for Araldis Chapman for the one year, really just three months of Araldis Chapman to get that World Series championship that the Cubs so desperately needed. But they've made a big move. They brought in Craig Kimbrell, who – World Series champion closer on the Red Sox last year hasn't played all year hasn't been on a team has been just playing the market trying to get the type of money he deserves 
and he played it the right way because the Cubs really needed him. They brought him in. How much does the Craig Kimbrell signing help the Cubs? Craig Kimbrell going to the Cubs is big. Like you were talking, like the bullpen's not very good. They definitely are in the market of an elite back end closer, and that's what exactly what they got with the Craig Kimbrell signing. Um, I see them treating him the same way they did Roldis Chapman, using him in those clutch situations. He's a proven winner, and he's an excellent back-end bullpen guy. Since 2011, Kimbrell has ranked in the top seven every year in saves, except for the 2016 year with the Red Sox. I like the signing. I think he's going to do great things with the Cubs, especially in October. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch him. Pedro Strope has been phenomenal. Like he He's a fun closer to have. I didn't hate when he was the closer, but when you get him back into that eighth inning role, if they can somehow make something of Carl Edwards again like he was during the World Series run, this bullpen actually could be very good with, with just that one signing if we can just bump everybody down when it comes to their role and their leverage type of situation. His C-Shack's been pretty good. Mike Montgomery's been pretty good. Even Tower Chatwood has had a decent year this year when it comes to coming out of the bullpen versus starting games. So I, I think there's a lot of bright spots for the Cubs. You have to feel great about where they're at. Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Hayward, like that being in your lineup every day is beautiful. It just rolls off the tongue. It's music. I, it's hard to imagine them going out in the wild card game like they went out last year. I think that's a poor representation of how good this team really is. They definitely have the lineup to make a good run. And adding Kimbrell is only going to beefing up that bullpen like we're talking about. No doubt. The the only thing with the Cubs that is really interesting right now, I feel like, when it comes to stuff going on off the field, is World Series MVP 2016, World Series champion in 2015 with the Royals, Ben Zobrist, a hero in Chicago, hasn't been on the field with the Cubs really at all this season. Played a little bit in April. He's been gone. He's not out with a leg or an arm injury. He's out with spousal misconduct. Apparently his wife cheated on him. They were married for double-digit years, and they have several children together. And he's taken a leave of absence from the team because of it. And it's a really tough situation because he's maybe the best guy to have in this locker room, just proven leader of the team. I mean, watching him and his wife's relationship on Instagram, for example. I mean, they looked so perfect for each other. Ben's walk-up music since he's been on the Cubs has been his wife's songs. And the songs, they're kind of bangers. They get the crowd clapping and everything. And it's just, it's a wild situation. And it's it's crazy because that's kind of the real life effect of, you know, what these athletes go through that a lot of times you don't have uh, a real look at that into their personal lives. But you get one here with Ben and it's really tough to know he's going through that and he's not out there with his guys and this is the reason. Uh, what are your thoughts on the situation and do you think he should try to rush back to baseball? I like the fact that he decided I'm going to go deal with this personal issue before I take care of stuff on the field. Like he doesn't need to be worrying about the Reds next series. He doesn't need to be worried about anything like that. He's worried about himself, be a little bit selfish and take care of this problem off the field. One thing I really do like is how supportive and how forthcoming that the Cubs organization is like the front office guys are saying man just take your time with this get it worked out Cubs will be here you'll have a spot just get this worked out first and then come on back we still love you Ben you're still our guy I mean just but make sure we get this worked out first before you 
decide to come on back. Absolutely. And that's the pleasure of being the Cubs because they have guys like David Bodie and Addison Russell and Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, and these guys that can play all these different positions to where from a baseball standpoint, it sucks that Ben's not out there, but it's not something that I look at the lineup every single day now, even when we're on a stretch where we're losing more than we're winning, where I'm like, man, got to have Ben Zobrist out there today because these guys that are playing instead of them are so freaking good, and they deserve to be out there too. And that's a really good situation for Ben to be in inside of this bad situation is that the Cubs have the personnel to where they're not missing him too bad. I don't know how different their record would really be if Ben had been with them all year, but we definitely miss Ben. We definitely want him back. When you look at the NL Central as a whole, how many playoff teams does it have and how many real threats to win the division does it have? I think overall, like I would say there's probably three playoff contender teams in there. Granted, I don't think two will actually make it with the Milwaukee and Chicago. St. Louis will be there. They're, all, they're always in the hunt. They're going to put pressure on the wild card spot. But do they make it? I'm not 100% sure on that. I think they're going to fall up short. Now, there's only, I think, two threats to win the division, though, and that being Chicago and Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee. Christian Yelich obviously is killing it. That bullpen obviously is tearing it up. But I'm going to have to give, and if I'm going to say who my division winner is at the end of the year, I'm going to give it to the Cubs. That lineup is crazy. Just the signing we talked about with Craig Kimbrell is great. Their rotation is definitely better than the Brewers. I totally agree. The The Cubs rotation is maybe the most underrated part of their team. A lot of people have – you know, kind of shunned you, Darvish, since he's been a Cub. And, I mean, his, his numbers haven't been great, even when his stuff is some nights. Even when he's great some nights, he's the guy that if you asked a bunch of Cubs fans who really cared who's your least favorite starter, you're going with you, Darvish. But I tell you what, that's a great problem to have. You, Darvish, started Game 7 of the World Series two years ago. It didn't look great, but he was out there. They had faith in him to do it, and he's the fifth starter on our team when everybody's healthy. You, you have to love that. Kyle Hendricks has been awesome. John Lester Cole Hamill's having one of the best years of his career right now. And Jose Quintana, I mean, you Darvish is probably comfortably number five. And it's a that, that's a good place to be. The Brewers starting pitching definitely isn't bad, but it just doesn't have those named guys, those guys I feel like you can really count on. And these two teams are, are really even. The Brewers lineup is really tough, but the Brewers won the division last year. The Cubs and the Brewers finished 162 last year with the exact same record and had to play an extra game to see who went to the playoffs. The Cubs lost that one. And then they lost the next day in the wild card game to the Rockies. They finished the season with the best record in the National League, tied with the Brewers. And then two days later are out because they lose two baseball games that are 50-50. That puts a bad taste in your mouth. And I think this team goes through this the rest of the season really motivated. And I think especially when they get back to the playoffs, they're going to be really, really locked in and not take anything for granted. I think the World Series parade is very over now. And I really like where this Cubs team's at. The Brewers are strong, though, too. You can't put a price on having a top-two player in baseball in your lineup every day, which is what they have with Christian Yelich, and the best reliever in baseball with Josh Hader. Not a good guy. Not a good guy. Bad person. But good reliever. 1.9 ERA in 28 games, 73 Ks, 12 walks. I mean, good Lord. That is the one guy in the MLB, if I could pick, a reliever to face that would come in last. I do not want to face Josh Hader. Do you see 
any chance that the Cardinals make a push at this because they are only two and a half back. They've been missing the playoffs by about a series the last couple of years. They add Paul Goldschmidt. He's got to be worth three or four games, right? Yeah, Gold, adding Goldschmidt definitely is a big, big hitter for uh, the Cardinals. Only thing that I can see that holding the Cardinals back right now is definitely their starting rotation. Like Flaherty's not playing good, McCullers isn't playing good, Walker's not doing it for them, and they just lost Jordan Hicks in the back end of that lineup. I mean that, that rotation. So they're really going to lean on Andrew Miller. I mean. That's, that's not a guy I want to really lean on in the regular season. Maybe the postseason, but not the regular season. Yeah, not these days. You know, he, he's a little older and everything. I think you're seeing that this year. But, yeah, guys like Waka and Wainwright and McCullis have just really underperformed, and that's why you see the Cardinals in the situation they're in. They just haven't been themselves. And when you don't get what you're counting on from guys, I mean, you're – you're in the season. You don't get a bunch of days off in baseball to figure it out. You don't have six days in between games like you do in the NFL to figure something out. You got to just keep rolling, going out there day to day and playing. And the Cardinals are not doing too bad when you consider how bad some of those rotational guys have been. They're definitely competing. The offense is keeping them in games, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really sold on the young guys that they got coming up. I'm not. They definitely need some older veterans to pick up the pace and add to the club. They're not really doing it right now. Yeah, I feel like the Cardinals were kind of the Dodgers of old. The Dodgers, it seems like every single month, they're bringing up a guy that you haven't heard of that's going nuts. Max Beatty, Alex Verdugo, Will Smith. I mean, these guys are just out of nowhere often and that's how the Cardinals used to be when they brought up Bader it was like that when they brought up Colton Wong it was like that and now it's just not happening as much in terms of just a random guy coming in there and just going nuts and Bader's been fantastic and Wong's been good too nothing against them but they they haven't got that extra push and their day-to-day lineup I don't know what about it I would really change it's pretty good I mean, Ozuna in left, Bader in center, and Dexter Fowler in right. That's a good team. It, like you said, it's a playoff contender for sure. But when you play common teams in your division as much as the MLB schedules you to, and you play in the NL Central, you just play a lot of tough games. You're not in the AL Central where you're playing the Royals and the White Sox and the Tigers constantly. You're playing the Cubs and the Brewers constantly. That's not easy, and especially the Reds. I mean, Reds are the worst team in the division. How well do they seem to play against teams in the division? Seems like nobody sweeps them. It's, the NL Central is definitely one of the toughest divisions in the in the MLB, top to bottom. Like they'll give you a good game, they'll give you a good series. You might squeak it out. You might get a sweep every now and then, but if you're winning the series, you got to win two most of the time. Tough games to win. Yeah, it's not free in the NL Central. There, there's nothing free. Let's move to the NL East. This might be my favorite division in baseball. I think the Nationals and the Mets records do not depict how good they really are. You got the Braves, who have been freaking awesome. I think they're 17-5 and in their last 22. 50 home runs in June. Only the third time it's happened in the franchise. The Phillies, five and a half back after their hot start. You can completely attribute this cold streak they're on to the loss of Andrew McCutcheon, who was a cover of the video game guy a few years ago with the Pirates. Not really a few, but like like seven. But he eventually left Pittsburgh. He's getting older and everything and making more money than what he should have been making. He's bounced around. He's gone to the Giants. He's gone to the Yankees. 
He goes to the Phillies. He lives off every day. Hits over 300. He's back to the McCutcheon of old, but in a different way with more contact than power. He goes down. He tears his ACL. Terrible situation. Probably the worst injury of the MLB season from a fan perspective, just from the league as a whole. And they've really struggled. Under 500 since then, but they're still only five and a half back. They have Bryce Harper. He's been way down so far this year. He looks like a guy who has 10 years left on a $300 million contract. And just not a ton of focus and intensity from him at the plate. So he's swinging and missing at 40% of the pitches that he offers on. It's not great. No, definitely not. The Phillies are going to have to pick it up offensively for sure. they got to pick up for Andrew McCutcheon. You know, Reese Hoskins has – I haven't really seen too much from him. It's either a home run or a strikeout. The Phillies, like you said in your first statement, are the greatest example of that. They, yeah, it's just boomer bust for these guys. Harper is – leading like the league in strikeouts. I mean, he's one of the most swing and miss guys, like you said, 40% of the pitches he offers that. That's not what you need from a guy you just pay $330 million from. You need somebody who can be consistent and put some numbers on the board. He's definitely got to be the leader in the clubhouse. And right now, he's just – he's not that, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's hard to disagree with you. We, we just watched him hit a huge home run today, but haven't seen much of him – since then, I mean, that was only his 14th homer, and 14 sounds like a lot, but when you look at the league as a whole, you would want Harper in your top 10 NL home runs for sure, paying him that much money, and that's just not where he's at. And uh, the rest of this division as a whole, you got the Nationals eight games back, the Mets 11 games back. I think that really speaks to just how good the Braves have been to be, na- to be able to just pull away during this stretch without – a ton of name starting pitching. I mean, the guy that started game one in your all's playoff series last year, I mean, is Fultonavich, and he's in AAA now struggling this year. But it, it's been a good rotation, and it's been a even better lineup. I mean, when you roll these guys off, I mean, you got Acuna Jr., one of the best players in the MLB, Dansby Swanson having the year of his career, Freddie Freeman, it's so tough up there at bat to at bat. Josh Donaldson's been good. Nick Markakis has been good. You got Ozzy Albies hitting seventh every day, and then a rookie of the year candidate in Austin Riley. It's no joke that this team is in first. Do you see them as a lock to win this division, and do you see them as a World Series threat? Uh, I definitely see them as a lock to win the NL East. That, like you were saying, the offense is being super consistent. One through eight, those guys can ball. Like, when we got Ozzy Albies hitting seventh, you got you to gotta think one through six is also doing great things for us. Um, I think they have probably the best chance to pull away for sure. Um, one aspect they need to think about, maybe beefing up, kind of like what they did beef up, is that pitching rotation. The signing of Dallas Keuchel is huge, especially like you said, Fulton Evans is going to AAA. Julio Tehran's getting roughed up in the past couple starts. We're really leaning on some young arms. And – if they want to make a good World Series push, they're going to need to beef up that rotation and get some also more bullpen, I think. Yeah, and they after making that move for Keiko, they probably aren't going to be able to. They're probably going to have to just rely on who they got. But Soroka looks super tough. Looks like he could be an ace in the MLB. And Tehran, these last two starts, he's played the Mets and the Cubs, and they've really roughed him up. But before that, he like a .8 ERA. I mean, the guy has had a good year. And you have to appreciate that a little bit given that you are probably getting more from your rotation at this point to be 48 and 33 than you were in even last year yeah no doubt but when you're playing in october it's kind of a different feel like for sure these guys playing in 
June and here in July, like that low stress games are not really in the, the, the bright lights. But when you get to October, when you're playing teams like the Cubs in Wrigley under the lights, it's a little different feel. When you're in the flow of the season like that, you it's easy to get in a rhythm and to pitch well and to even maybe get away from a bad start and kind of like, okay, this is my week. But when you're in the playoffs, it's just a completely different game. A lot of teams, if their bats have struggled in the year, they'll struggle even worse in the playoffs. And the same thing goes for pitching. And uh, I, I have faith in the Braves, honestly, just from this Cubs series that we just play with them, going against them every day. They have a lot of guys in their lineup that strike fear in you as an opposing fan. And I think that that's definitely the best team in this division. I wouldn't sleep on the Mets and the Nationals, though. I mean, the Mets have a great pitching staff. Their their lineup is coming together more and more every day. And the Nationals, they still have Strasburg and Scherzer at the top of their pitching rotation. And, I mean, Trey Turner has been fantastic this year. A lot of young guys really coming along on this Nationals team. If they can get Juan Soto to be where they need him to be, which is Bryce Harper's replacement, putting up Bryce Harper's numbers, which isn't a ton in the average area necessarily, but it is a lot when it comes to home runs and RBIs. They need that production. They need it from somewhere. If, if they can find that, it, it's hard to sleep on them because Scherzer's having a fantastic year. Yeah, I definitely think they are a team that can definitely make a push for that second wild card spot, put some pressure on the Phillies. Like you said, that rotation is kind of nasty with Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer. But throughout the years, like they've had those top three arms and they just haven't got it done. Like Even when they had Bryce Harper and Anthony Rodone was kind of in his prime of his career, Ryan Zimmerman when he was in the prime of his career, they had the guys who could do it. They had the teams who could win it. They just couldn't get it done in October. And I think that kind of holds true again. Like They have the same mindset. Yeah, it's tough to see them conquering the pressure of not having Harper in the playoffs in their first season without him and everything. It's definitely more reasonable to assume that they will not get a wild card spot than they will, especially given that they're 39 and 40. Yeah, and they were the favorite to win the NL East coming in the season. Yeah, which, I mean, you look at those that pitching rotation and that projected lineup, and it kind of makes sense. But that's the cool thing about this division is there's four really good teams, and then there's the Marlins. And, I mean, that's that's going to be hard for all these guys. Last year it was a tough division, not near as tough as it is this year, and that's what caused the Phillies to just tornado downward the last month and a half of the season, in which, I mean, just gave the Braves a playoff spot, gave it to them. So you can't hate that as a Braves fan. Let's move to the NL West. The Dodgers' dominance is a story out here. 55 wins. They're 12 up on the Rockies, 14 up on the Padres. And let's keep in mind, the Rockies, this is a really good team. This is a team that has pretty much the exact same record as teams like the Cubs, Phillies, Red Sox, and Rays. It just feels like the Dodgers win every single night, like one through eight in their order, is so tough, no matter if it's a getaway day or if it's not. Their depth is probably better than everybody's in the MLB. Can you explain to the people why the Dodgers are so good? They just have everything they need. Like They are one of the most complete teams in the MLB, bar none. One through eight, like you said, are great. They're bringing up guys like we were talking about, Verdugo and Will Smith, just that are, that are balling out. Like They're coming up, they're taking advantage of their moment. And it's not just like, oh, the hitters are really good and all this. They have a top three rotation that is probably – better than the ones over in Washington with the Nationals. Definitely, man, with Walker Bueller's step to greatness. I mean, he he was a guy that 
a few weeks ago you might have said is the fourth best pitcher in this rotation, and now you might say is the best, and he's been pitching great the whole time. It's That's how good these other guys are. This team still has Clayton Kershaw, and then this Hinjun Ryu. I mean, he's been unreal. He had the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball the other week, and I mean, he just, his stuff, it moves so much, and the speeds are so different pitch to pitch. It makes sense why he's so good. I think he's 9-1 and one or something, and a lot of that is, I play for the Dodgers, so I'm naturally going to have more wins and losses with that lineup backing them. But there's not a weak part to the Dodgers team in any aspect. Yeah, especially like, oh, we're, th- we're talking about the starting pitching in one through A. Oh, they might have some hiccups in the bullpen. They still have Kenley Jansen back there throwing the ninth inning. You do not want to see Kenley Jansen in a one-run game when he's trying to earn a save. Yep, and he's he's really – he hadn't been himself since that heart issue he had last year. Like, yeah, but I, I, I mean – He's kind of picking up as of late. He's not doing – I mean, he's having a little bit better of a year here lately. And I just think he's just one dominant guy. That cutter is very hard to hit, and he's definitely going to be leaned on in October for the Dodgers. Yeah, it, he's going to have to be. He's going to have to be great because that, that's the one – if I had a question mark about the Dodgers, it would just be his health. But having Kenley Jansen on your team is still a lot better than not having him on your team. So good problem to have for the Dodgers. They're the best team in baseball right now. And it's not an accident. I think the biggest difference this year versus last year is when they didn't bring Machado back, it kind of surprised me because I, I thought he did fit in with that team pretty well. There was some drama and antics in the World Series for sure and in the NLCS drastically with him kicking Aguilar's foot at first base and all that nonsense that went on. But I didn't know if the Dodgers had the star power to get there, that they had the one through eight balance, but that the star power wasn't there. And now you have Cody Bellinger, who was just hitting 400 a couple weeks ago for the whole season. And, I mean, this guy, he goes deep, it seems like, every third at bat, and he's so locked in up there. 2017, NL Rookie of the Year. 2018, little slump, kind of made you feel like it was normal because he's a guy that – with his swing, with how he cuts like kind of upward on the ball and tries to get under it every time, seems like he would have a lot of strikeouts. And this year he's just been phenomenal when it comes to hitting for average, when it comes to being the star of this best team in baseball. I think that's the biggest difference to me. Yeah, they definitely have the superstar that they need in right field with Cody Bellinger. Like you said, he was hitting just above 400 like a couple weeks ago. He is a phenomenal player, and he is – not even 25. He's going to be in L.A. balling out like he is right now for years to come, and that's scary to think for the rest of the MLB. That's crazy that he's not even 25. Uh, this division, do you think it has another playoff team? Not at all. Now, I mean, the Rockies are close. The Rockies are playing better. They started the season 3-12. and They're now at 41-38. and They're playing better. They ended the month of May on a six-game winning streak, carrying that over into June with two more games, making it eight. But I don't see how they're going to be able to beat any of those NL East teams or Central teams. I think the Rockies absolutely have the lineup to do it. There are definitely some other parts about their team that concern me a little bit, but their top three in total batting average hits and runs. I know they play at Coors Field, so the altitude's a little different. The ball's flying out. But, I mean, it's still top five in the MLB. At least they're taking advantage of it. I think if you saw them 13 or 15 on that list, that it's it would be a little worrisome. But they're not. They're top five. And, I mean, David Dahl is hitting like 340. He's kind of emerged as that cleanup guy in their lineup. And just that little bit of extra help that they're now giving Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman is really made a big difference. And the Daniel Murphy acquisition from the Cubs, I mean, it, 
that's been big. He's played well for them. He's been playing first base every day. They they have some odd lineups. Ian Desmond has been a shortstop at times for them and a center fielder. It, it's been weird, but it works. And when you have Nolan Arenado in your lineup every day, I mean, this is a guy that just hit over 400 for a full month. He's at 317 for the year, 19 bombs, 62 RBIs. At halftime, I, j- I just don't think you can count this team out. No, like – and the fact that they play in Coors Field is definitely helps them, obviously, and it's definitely in their favor. But like right now, they're only a half game above the Phillies in the se- for the second wild card spot. Phillies are going down. We like we talked about the Nationals might be going up, and you still got to factor in maybe the the Cardinals squeaking in there, taking that other one. The it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out because one or two of these teams is totally going to fade out and then we're going to have a really fun race for the last month. But this Rockies team is built to play at Coors Field with the power that they apply every single day. So I, I like watching them. I think they're a top team, 10 team in baseball. I really do, despite their pitching staff. It wouldn't surprise me to see them get the second wild card spot if their pitching can just somehow survive at Coors Field, which is what they did last year. You know, I mean, they they beat the Cubs in the wild card game. They got to the playoffs, which is impressive when you have the Dodgers in your division, to say the least. But let's uh, let's move to the American League. The Yankees, the AL East, I mean, they've battled more injuries than maybe any team in the history of baseball to start a season, which is really crazy to say. And uh, all they've done is just win a ton. I mean, 9-1 and one in their last 10. They're getting these guys back. It, this is the scariest lineup in baseball. And for example, Wednesday the Blue Jays take a five-zero lead, and I mean five-zero lead. A lot of times you lose hope. The Yankees come back, win eight to seven. They have two to three guys on base every single inning. It feels like they just picked up Edwin Encarnacion, the most home runs in the MLB total since 2015. If it was all just one giant season, and I mean he may not even ever get to play if they have everybody healthy on this team. It is crazy what they're doing. They're back to being the big spenders of old. The Yankees were one through nine. You know every single player in their lineup. They have three guys in the top ten AL MVP odds right now, and neither of them are Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. Why are the Yankees so good? Uh, Like you said, man, they're hitting the ball so well. They're hitting on all cylinders, and they're just – they're just doing the, They're just doing it better than anybody else. Like they just had a twenty-eight game uh, home run streak. I mean, there's it's never been done, right? Right. It's that's the new record. I mean, they're they're hitting it great. They're pitching kind of pretty good with the guys they have. Like they're not they're not really doing terrible. Aroldis Chapman has got to be up in there with the AL reliever of the year. Yeah, he's he has been a stud and he's stayed healthy. That's been huge for them. Yeah, definitely having that guy. We got a one run lead in the ninth. We got Aroldis Chapman back there. Still can run up to 104, 105 every now and then. Yeah, you're just feeling not good if you're another team about to face him. I mean, this DJ LeMayu thing has gotten crazy. LSU guy, he's brought in from the Rockies. He was a batting average champion in the MLB a, a year or two ago. And, I mean, this guy, he was projected to not even play every day for the Yankees. When you think about that they have – Glaber Torres and Didi Gregorius up the middle, and you can't keep him out of the lineup now because he's like hitting home runs every day. It's it's crazy. Yeah, he's definitely flipped the script on how everyone perceived him. Like you said, batting average champ a couple years ago, and now he's like, well, hey guys, I can still hit home runs. I didn't really do this in Coors Field because that wasn't my role. I had Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Bachman behind me, 
But hey, all these big guys are going down. We don't have Judge. We don't have Stan. We don't have Gregorius. Watch me hit bombs. I mean, I can still do it as well. It's it's been crazy, and he's the kind of guy. Really, the opposite into the Cubs' newest acquisition, other than Craig Kimbrell, Carlos Gonzalez, who was really good at Coors Field his whole career. He was on the Rockies literally last season when they eliminated the Cubs. Goes to the Indians, gets released because he's hitting 200. Goes to the Cubs, hasn't been any better there. You could argue that his entire successful career is a possible byproduct of Coors Field. And, I mean, DJ LeMayo's done the complete opposite. He's been better at Yankee Stadium than he was at Coors Field. Yeah, no doubt. Carlos Gonzalez is definitely a product of Coors Field. The short porch over there, the, the high altitude there, the ball just jumps off anybody's bat. And like we were talking about, that's why the Rockies are how good the Rockies are. The offense is great. But Carlos Gonzalez, stupid numbers there when he was there. And it's just not translating to any other, any other part. So the Yankees have a seven-game lead on the race, Razor in second. And the Red Sox, the defending World Series champions, are nine games back of the Yankees. And what's the Red Sox' biggest problem so far this season? If you see any, because they are 44-38. and 38. That's a pretty good record. And they have a great lineup day-to-day. They still have Chris Sale. They still got some stud starters. Do you think the Red Sox can catch the Yankees? And if you do see a problem, let me know. I don't see any way they can catch the Yankees. And kind of like what you were just saying, you were naming off, oh, they're really good, one through eight. They were talking about Chris Sale. That's starting pitching staff. You did not mention the bullpen. You know why? Because the bullpen is the biggest issue. They have nobody back there who can stop them. Craig Kimball's gone. They just blew their 16th save, which is probably up there with the top five in the league. You'd have to think so. 16 is so much at this point. I mean, that means they are winning by one to three runs going into the last inning, and they lost those games. I mean, how bad is that? Yeah, like having nobody back there who can just shut down a game – is crucial. That's why the signing Craig Kimbrell to the Cubs is huge. That's why having a guy like Chapman is awesome. Like if you don't have one of those guys, yeah, I mean you're never gonna feel comfortable. Wednesday, for example, the White Sox are beating them the entire game. Bogarts gets a huge single in the bottom of the eighth to take the Red Sox first lead, seven to six. They battle back all that way. Jose Abreu two run home run in the top of the night to win the game for the White Sox. I mean the White Sox were like three to one to win that that specific game, biggest underdog of the day, and the Red Sox just you can't feel comfortable, you can't feel safe there. But they won the World Series last year. It's not common that teams repeat in the MLB, so you can definitely understand where they're maybe not wanting to spend a ton of money on the bullpen help for this season but I think that they should because they still have Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez Sandra Bogarts and Michael Chavis one of the best rookies in the league I mean it just it seems weird to kind of waste that yeah you would think they would make an effort go get somebody I mean it doesn't have to be a top-end guy but I mean get anything it'll be better than what you got right now I, I uh I'd have to agree there the Red Sox are going to get a wild card spot, and I think the other spot is a two horse race between the Rays and the Indians slash Twins. I really don't think that anybody from the AL West is a threat to make the playoffs outside of the Astros. So you think about it, I mean, you take two teams for the wild card. There's going to be definitely nobody else out of the AL East outside of the three that we've talked about so far, and the AL Central is probably the worst division in baseball. And 
I mean, they, they do have the Twins and they have the Indians, but after that, I mean, it's really, really bad. So, I mean, you can only take so many teams. I think the NL is a deeper league this year, and that's kind of showing as we've made it halfway through the season now. But the Rays may be a playoff team. I'm not sure. I, I think the Indians are the better team, but the Rays were so close last year. It's a team that won 90 games and didn't make the playoffs. I, I could definitely see them kind of bridging that gap and making it this year, but let's let's move on to this AL Central. It, do you think the Twins have run away with this? I mean, they're 52 wins so far. They're up eight and a half on the Indians. The Indians were like minus 700 to win this division when the year started, and the Indians do not have a good enough team to be minus 700 to win a division, but they definitely don't have a bad enough team to be eight and a half games down to the Twins. Do you think they've run away with it? Um, the Twins have probably been one of the biggest surprises of the year. Indians, when they were going into the season this year, heavy favorites to win the AL Central. Twins, probably going to be second. That's where everyone had them at. But those other three teams are just non-threats. Definitely not. White Sox, Tigers, and Royals. Definitely one of a couple bottom feeders of the league, for sure. But they're... I think their success has been mainly from the performances they've had on the mound. Like, we talk about their hitters. Yeah, they got Nelson Cruz. They picked up Marvin Gonzalez. Jorge Polanco's playing great. C.J. Cron. C.J. Cron's playing great at first base. But they have four pitchers that have won seven or more games of their decisions and have only lost four or less. Jose Barrios is leading that staff. He's the ace of the staff. I mean, you also have a guy, Jake Odorizzi, who – Came out of nowhere and is just performing out of his mind. Yes, he's seven to one to win the AL Cy Young, and he has the numbers to be in the top two. The reason that he's ranked fifth or sixth on that list is because he's Jake Odorizzi. But I mean, man, Barrios, you knew he was going to be a stud from the moment he started pitching in the MLB. The Twins have kind of done this right. I mean, they don't have a big market in Minnesota. It's going to be tough to sign some free agents, but they get Nelson Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez after, in the later years of their career and everything. It, it just seems like a really well-run franchise. And it constantly getting a wild card at spot, it seems like, every two or three years. The A's are kind of in that boat, too. Just You don't have a lot of options there. You don't have a ton of money. You're not a big, lavish free agent destination, but... They're making it work, and you have to appreciate what the Twins have done. Just guys like Jorge Polanco and Eddie Rosario, I mean, they've just overperformed. Those are older Twins. They've been on the team for a while. We've already talked about all the new guys they brought in. Let's move to the Indians. The Indians, do they have what it takes to make a run even? Because they their lineup looks a little different than that World Series runner-up lineup. Yeah, and I think they can make a run, especially for that, for that wild-card spot. That's who I think actually takes out the Rays. And it's just all about the mound. The guy on the mound, like you have Trevor Bauer, kind of a sneaky AL Cy Young guy, could make a dark horse run for it in the second half of the year. You got Corey Kluber when he comes back. Carlos Carrasco when he comes back. Mike Clevenger when he gets back from his ankle sprain, he just occurred. A lot of injuries on that team. But they'll all be back this season. That's definitely something you can get behind. Like those guys are going to be the guys you want to see on the mound more than what you want to see in Tampa Bay. If you're not if it's not Charlie Morton and it's not Blake Snell, it's a tough it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell to win that game. I uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I I like the Indians lineup they did they. I mean, they have the 
second place option for the MVP right now, hitting at the top of their order, Francisco Lindor. And when you have that in games that get really tight, I mean, he just seems like he's born to hit leadoff home runs, to hit clutch home runs. Dude's tough. They also brought up a young man, Mercado, who's been fantastic. He's hitting like 309 since he came into the league. They've actually just inserted him into that number two spot pretty much every day. And it's it's a nice little one-two punch there. I don't think that they're better than the Rays. Like I just from day to day watching baseball, I think the Rays are the better, the scarier team. I feel like, but the Indians have more star power than the Rays, and you never know if that's your wild card game by chance, and the Red Sox fall out of it. And it's just one game, and it it could go either way. You saw it last year, and you'll see it every year until they change that ridiculous rule. Yeah, let's move to the AL West. Another year of the Astros. I mean, this team has just maintained excellence over the past four seasons have another team where they have four guys in the top 11 for MVP odds. Really deep. Do you like them to win the World Series? I don't like them to win the World Series. I think they'll make the World Series. They'll be the team that beats the Yankees. I think they can get there too. But if they don't add another arm in that rotation, it could be tough. Because after Verlander and Garrett Cole, who you got? Brad Peacock? You think you want Brad Peacock, Game 3, Yankee Stadium? That place is going to be in his ear. I'm, I think they'll, I think they'll get through there. I think they'll hopefully grab another arm. Missing out on Dallas Keuchel was huge. I think if signing him back, that's your number three. That's kind of the guy you want to lean on. But the Astros, like you said, completely dominating the AL West. Yeah, I mean, th- this there's not even another team in this division that can challenge them. It's not even close. I think that your ALCS is for sure going to be the Yankees and the Astros. I think it's going to be awesome. What's different about the Astros this year is they go out and get Michael Brantley, which has been a huge pickup for them. He's top five in the AL MVP race. That's crazy. And they have Bregman in the three spot. I mean, that's you wouldn't expect that. You're thinking Altuve or Correa or George Springer. And, you know, Correa's been hurt. Altuve's been very good recently. Springer's right there. He's in the top 11. So, I mean, this, this team is really deep. They are... Their lineup's almost every bit as good as the Yankees. Seven, eight, nine. You have to give the edge to the Yankees, though. Almost against every lineup I've ever seen ever play baseball. This Yankees team is an all-star team, so that's why I like them to make the World Series. But the Astros are every bit as tough. I don't see any team in the American League stopping them from making the ALCS. A huge bummer for baseball fans everywhere is it appears we're up for another postseason without what looks to be a shoe-in for the MVP and the world's greatest player, Mike Trout. They're 41-40, and 40, nine games out of the division league, and four out of the wild card. Dan, why can't the Angels get over the hump? And tell me something they have going for them. Say something positive about the Angels, too. So, before I get to what's positive, kind of want to start with some negative. Like, Trout is doing Trout things, you know. He's leading the American League in on-base percentage at 463, slugging percentage at 636. He's hit 22 bombs. He's knocked in 56 RBIs. That offense is actually not really the problem. You got guys supporting him like Tony Lestella, Tommy Lestella, like we talked about. Shohei Otani's playing all right here lately. Justin Upton just came back from injury. Now that he's finally healthy, he's working his way back in that lineup. What seems to be the problem for the Angels, and it's kind of always been the problem with the Angels, is that pitching rotation. They have no star power pitching rotation. 
it's very tough when your number one guy is Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs is the ace of that staff, and he's more of a three or four type guy. Yeah, I mean, everybody listening to that right now just said, who is Tyler Skaggs? Yeah. So if we're thinking about it, Tyler Skaggs, number one dude for the Angels. If we try to put that man, say, in the Cubs lineup, you're a Cubs guy, put him in the Cubs lineup, where's he going to be at? Is Cubs rotation-wise, he would not be there. Exactly. He wouldn't be there. You are going to put – you're rolling out a guy. You're rolling out four other guys who are worse than Tyler Skaggs, and you're expecting to compete for the AL West. Just maybe an AL wildcard spot because you're not going to be able to take out the Astros. Yeah, it's crazy that Trout can be that good, and they still just – it really feels like they have no chance. And the Tommy LaStella thing, he's been unbelievable. And I think that the majority of Cubs fans would have told you when he was in Chicago that if he had the at-bats and he had the opportunity to play every day, that he would still be hitting over 300 like he did as mainly a pinch hitter for the Cubs. I just didn't know it was going to be like leading off, like hitting in front of Trout and hitting over 300 being a top three finalist to start at second base in the All-Star game. It really is something. It's been one of the coolest things ever to watch him mature and be as good as he is because he was an absolute fan favorite in Chicago. He was a guy that always played hard. That just The Cubs are too good. The Cubs are too good for him to have an opportunity. And I think that really speaks to these deeper organizations like the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Yankees. These guys that they have on the bench or that they have in AAA, how good they can be elsewhere. And some of these teams are just so top-loaded, not even when it comes to 1 through 5, but when it comes to like 1 through 35. Like the the Yankees AAA team, I mean, how good is Clint Frazier? You know, I mean, we watch Clint Frazier be great for the majority of this season. And, I mean, where is he at now? They, they don't have a spot for him. It's crazy. Poor Josh Stower is a great Louisville baseball player of the last few years. He's been awesome. He's been flying up the pipeline. How's he going to get to the MLB, though? Because he's on the Yankees. I mean, it, it's crazy how good these top teams are throughout their organization. And I, I love the fact that you just started talking about the minor league pipeline system because the one thing that I have going for the Angels is Louisville native Joe Adele. Joe Adele is the number four prospect in all of baseball, not just the Angels, all of baseball. And he's number one by a long shot. The Angels don't have another guy in the top 100. So Joe Adele is definitely going to be a, a fan favorite, I believe, in L.A. And kind of like we were talking about, a little bit before we started the podcast, I would love to see him make a September call-up and play a little right field instead of Cal Calhoun, who's hitting under 200. Doesn't seem like a bad move. It's it's tough, man. I feel like if they made a run, they might want to even look at trading Joe Adele. As crazy as that sounds, it's like you have no pitching. You're wasting the prime of Mike Trout's career. And Mike Trout's not going anywhere. Like he He's an angel. So I... I feel like they need to do something a little more now-based. But, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe Joe Adele is good enough to contribute literally right now. Yeah, I I've, I definitely feel you with possibly trading Adele and getting one or two good arms if if they make the run. If they don't make the run, you might as well bring him up in September, get him some at-bats, let him see. Kind of like what the Dodgers are doing with Will Smith. You know, let him get a couple series under his belt. When he's ready, he'll have some experience. But if they make that run like you're talking about, yeah, they, they might part ways with Adele, and that's not going to be very good in the future. A guy who's doing everything he can to help them make their run is this man, Mike Trout. He's the guy where it's it's a must-see at bat. Anytime you walk by a TV and he's up, you're going to want to stop and watch the whole thing. 
he is who every little leaguer should try to copy his swing. It's as perfect and as gorgeous as you can get. He's a guy that never is not playing hard. He is up to minus 700 to win the MVP. How crazy is that? And do you see anybody catching him or that can catch him? No. Straight up, no. Like, if if you're betting, put the bet now because the odds are just going to get higher and higher. Like, take minus 700 because it's not, it's not going to go down. Like, Francisco Lindor, like, oh, he might make a run, but Mike Trout is leading almost every offensive category in the American League. That means anything. Yeah, and they've not given him MVPs in the past that he may should have gotten because the Angels have been so bad or he's missed a good amount of games. And that's my only point on it is – that's where that minus 700 isn't good value is that Trout has had some injury problems in his career, and that is kind of the only way I see him not winning is if he gets hurt and misses a month or something like that, and he gives Bregman or Lindor a shot at just kind of going nuts. Yeah, I could see that, especially if we're, they're not in the, the race to win that to get that second wild card spot. They're not going to rush him back. For sure. Because they don't care if he wins an MVP. They just care if – He's ready for next season at that point. Exactly, like once they know that this season's too far gone. So I do think that Bregman and Lindor are two players at 11-1 to that have good value there, but that's really you're banking on an injury there, which is not where you want to be in any aspect of gambling. So I definitely think that there's kind of no action there because you don't want to take something that's as big as minus 700 when a team is possibly out of the race in a month. But you don't want to you know throw darts at a board either. No doubt. The NL, you have... Bellinger and Yelich, I mean, it, it's kind of a two-horse race. And I just want to know, I mean, who are you taking here? I feel like this is maybe the toughest question that you can ask somebody because these guys have been damn near perfect. Yeah, this is definitely one of the uh, tougher choices to make. Are we taking Bellinger? Are we taking Yelich? In my personal opinion, I'm taking Bellinger to win it because I think Bellinger's team just will go further. They'll have more wins. He'll have more opportunities to knock in runs. You know, he's playing in the NL West, who's not particularly the best. When you got Yellich playing in the NL Central, who, like we talked about earlier, is a very tough division to play in. And I'm, I think Bellinger's just get more opportunities to have better at-bats. That's a really good point, man. The RBI thing is just a fantastic point. The Dodgers always have people on base. And you constantly see Christian Yelich hitting out these solo shots. Like, all the time. So I, I like Yelich here just when it comes to this race because I think it's more sustainable. But I'm kind of basing that on me thinking Bellinger's going to slump. Like he, he has at points in his career gone through months where he's hit 200 and everything. And he hasn't shown us anything this season to make us believe that he's going to do that. But it's just halftime. And if he does slump, it's not going to be the kind of thing where he has so much pressure on him to do better because he's on the freaking Dodgers. Everybody else in their lineup can pick him up whenever. Yelich can't slump. He can't, or the Brewers will fall out of this race. Like He carries the Brewers, and I think that you can tell from his post-game pressers and just the way he carries himself on the field that he loves that and that he is this kind of player and that the other parts of his career where he's been with the Marlins where he was hitting fifth in their order and looking like a fourth or fifth best player on their team, that those were the flukes and not necessarily how he is now. He is a guy that I just hate facing. I hate when he's in the box. I hate when he's at Wrigley Field. Constant threat. I think he's the second best player in baseball. So I'm going to take Yelich there. I feel like 
what you said with Bellinger is a really good point, but I feel like Yelich needs to carry the load more, and that will possibly lead to him having a little better season. And if they both end up winning their divisions, I think they're going to pick which player has the better stats. And I think it could go either way. Uh, one thing, kind of like going with the Yelich thing, the last time that an MVP is actually back-to-back, Miguel Cabrera, triple crown. He won back-to-back that that year and the year after. So think about it, that was – what, 2013, 2014? Hasn't happened since then. I don't think they're going to do it again. Christian Yelich, I don't believe, is going to repeat for the MVP just because they don't want to give it to the same guy over and over again. Yeah, that makes sense. They, they should have gave it to Baez last year anyway. It was ridiculous. Uh, who do you think has a chance at a dark horse run in the National League, if anybody? Uh, the one guy I kind of am leaning towards plays on, a, plays on a pretty bad team. Also, another central guy, and that's Josh Bell. Josh Bell, I mean, he's hitting for an average of 310. He leads the NL in doubles with 28, and he has 20 home runs as well. He's definitely having a breakout season, and as someone that could potentially put some pressure on Yelich and Bellinger during the second half of the season, I don't see that he surpasses both of those guys. Kind of like we were talking about with Trout, he would just need both those guys to get hurt. And like you're saying, you're throwing you're throwing darts at that point. I – uh I like Arenado here for sure. Bell twenty five to one though. You got to love those odds. Arenado's twelve to one, and I love those too. He's just the kind of guy who could hit six home runs in one week. And when you think about that and how quickly those stats can grow at Coors Field and how he has made the most of that, maybe more than almost any Rocky that we've watched in our lives. It's it's scary. The dude's really really good, and the Rockies have a good enough team to possibly make a run and to be in the playoffs. I just think that you could end up seeing Arenado possibly have four or five more home runs than these guys, than the top two that we listed, and maybe 10 to 15 more RBIs. And if his team is a playoff team, and that's the case, it's going to be hard not to give it to him. So I really, really like the 12 to 1 there. Let's look at the Cy Young real quick. We got Ryu and Verlander, heavy favorites on each side. Do you see anybody challenging them, or are those your picks to win? So I'm going to start in the NL. So, like we said, like you said, in, uh, for the NL Cy Young, heavy favor with Ryu. But I do think there's a couple guys who could possibly pass him. Bad thing is, they're also his teammates. Walker Bueller tearing it up. Um, and also Clayton Kershaw. Like These guys are performing just as good as Ryu. And if he can't keep the hot streak going for the second half, one of his teammates will pick up his slack. And I think they'll, just, they'll take the NL Cy Young award. I mean – they're literally just waiting for Ryu just to drop a little bit. Say he loses the next three. He goes nine and four. Bueller and Kershaw are at the same point. Bueller's, I think, eight and one. Kershaw's seven and oh. They're they're right there in the same like they are one, two, and three. That's crazy. And that I think that speaks to how good the Dodgers are, that you viewed three candidates and they're all Dodgers. I mean, it's uh it's been wild. It sucks that they're so good. I wish they were not as good. But I, I think Scherzer's got a chance here. He's been the top fantasy baseball starter this year because of all the strikeouts that he gets. Always it seems like he's 10-plus every time he has a good start. I mean, he just broke his nose and gave himself a black eye bunting and batting practice and pitched the next day. Looked like a scary guy up there because he's got his brown eye and his blue eye, two different color eyes, and a black eye. I mean, there was a lot going on, and Jake Arrieta gave up two runs, and that was too much. And the Nationals beat him. 
Like yeah. that that kind of speaks to the kind of guy Max Scherzer is. The, that black guy happened the day before. He literally broke his nose. Yeah, he's a dog, man. One guy you you don't want to face in a winner-take-all game, Max Scherzer. He will make sure he'll outsmart you. He'll make sure all his pitches are working that day. Like I said, even with a black guy, he still balls out. The AL, though, Verlander, top dog right now, plus 250 to win the award. Garrett Cole, his teammate, right behind him. So there you kind of see the Astros' greatness showing itself again. Do you see either of these guys taking it home, or do you like somebody else? Um, I like I like Justin Verlander, but I, I for my two other guys who I had, I didn't have Garrett Cole as one of the two. My other two guys I had were Jake Odorizzi, who might not get much action just because they don't really know him. He's not a big-time guy. He played with the Rays. He kind of bounced around. This is his big year. And another guy I had is on another bad team, also in the AL Central, Lucas Giolito. Giolito also has 10 wins. He's performing very well with the White Sox, especially with the lineup they have. It doesn't really put up too many runs. He's definitely shutting it down, giving his ball club a chance to win every time. I, uh, I, both of those guys are in the race. I just don't think it's sustainable. Odor is he maybe because he'll keep getting those wins. He's on a good team. But Giolito, I just don't – I know he's got a lot of wins so far. I just think that's more of happenstance. The White Sox have to win sometimes, and he's their best pitcher, so I think they kind of bring it when he starts. But Cubs got to him a, a week or two ago. Didn't look great that day. Odor is he, I mean – Plus 700 is really good value because his stats are right there, and it's possible that he keeps it up. But I think when you're looking at this type of award and what Verlander is doing, that has to be your pick to win it. He's on such a good team that, like the Dodgers pitchers, he should win almost every start in terms of run support, and he's going out there and acting like he doesn't have the run support. So that's all you can ask for. I did take Verlander plus 1300 on the preseason podcast to win the AL Cy Young, just so everybody remembers. Uh, World Series pick stand. Last thing, who you got? So, my World Series Dodgers beating the Astros in five games. The Dodgers have, I think the Dodgers are pretty similar to Vanderbilt that we just saw in the College World Series. Vanderbilt was the most complete team. The Dodgers are also the most complete team. They have Top three, in my opinion, Cy Young Award candidates at the starting rotation. And they have one through eight, just absolutely beast. You can hit the ball out whenever. They can get the ball in the gap, driving them plenty of runs to help those three guys. Um, they have the most explosive lineup, like I just said. I don't see how they can not, not win it after going back-to-back. Back to, this would be the third time in a row. Yeah, I, I think they're going to do exactly that, man. I – Want to pick the Cubs to go to the World Series so bad, but I just can't even imagine a series going all the way through and us winning more games than the Dodgers in it, playing the Dodgers. It just doesn't seem possible. I love the Yankees to get there, though. I think that's a shoe-in in the American League. And like I said, it's just it's hard for me to see the Cubs knocking on the Dodgers or anybody else because I do value the Cubs very highly. So I'll take Dodgers and Yankees, and I think the Yankees are just better than them. And, and I'll take the Yankees there, but I think that's a World Series that you would see, like, Dodgers minus 120 to win, the Yankees plus 110, like a really evenly lined series. That would be as good of basketball as you were ever going to see. You know, that that could be LeBron's healthy Cavaliers team against the Warriors, completely healthy. It's, it's just peak of the sport if we got Dodgers-Yankees or even 
Cubs, Yankees, there's some other combinations there that work, but the Dodgers are so freaking good. I hate it. Huh. Dan, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. TTYL. <laughs> <laughs>